Hey guys, Rashid Phillips here, and welcome to another episode of This Week in Barbecue. This Week in Barbecue is the barbecue podcast that brings you the good, bad, and everything in between in the world of barbecue. I don't know much, but I do know one thing for sure, news never tasted so good. So, without any further ado, I'd like to dive right into some of the amazing news this week, some that I've been able to experience personally myself. So, let's get into the first story here. First up, we've got... Kingsford has released a new series of flavor booster briquettes charcoal. What's a flavor booster briquette charcoal? Well, it is charcoal that's made out of real herbs and spices infused and compacted down and concentrated that you can add to your grills, your Kamado Joe's, your master bills, anything that takes coal or lump, you can put it in there. Now, what makes these great is it's it's actual herbs. Like I, I saw them myself. They're milled in there and they actually give off amazing aromas and scents during cooks. I was fortunate enough and uh, myself and This Week in Barbecue were fortunate enough to be invited over to the Home Depot across from their corporate office and they were actually... Uh, showcasing an event with Kingsford displaying these flavor enhancers, these flavor boosters. They've got some cumin ones, some rosemary ones, some garlic paprika, garlic thyme, and they had little sets where you can try it out if you guys are following us on Instagram. And if you're not, you definitely should. It is This Week at Barbecue or This Week in Barbecue on like all social platforms. Uh, this Week in BBQ on Twitter. Sorry, shameless plug. But if you guys are following along, you saw the setup, the giant monster truck van that they had, along with the tiers of flavors. That was really amazing. The air smelt so much like these spices. So for those of you who are trying to find a way to kick up your barbecue game, to take your food to the next level without getting too, too crazy, I definitely recommend picking up a bag. Try them out. They've got three great selections for you to choose from i'll have a little bit more information there in the show notes but it was a great event i'm honored thank you guys home depot kingsford for inviting me out it was really cool food was flavorful so uh yeah that's the first bit of information here and first bit in our news episode this week all right now next up in this week in barbecue that i've been lucky enough to experience firsthand i want to give a giant shout out uh, to the navy and my buddies the blue angels thank you guys so much for having me out uh, to kick off your air show that you guys did here in vidalia georgia had an absolute blast yes that is vidalia just like the onions uh it was amazing got to surprise the troops and feed them and this was just so uh monumentous for me it's right up there with flying with them which is just great i love that experience uh, shout out to us just for taking me up. This was just a fun event for me because there was no corporate backing, no title to it, no nothing. This was came from the heart. I wanted to say thank you, not just to the angels, but to their crew chiefs, to the troops, to everybody that makes these shows amazing. You guys give so many smiles and good emotions and feelings. And I promise you, if you've never been to a show, get to a show, sit next to the kids, right? When those guys step out, when they come up, those kids are roaring louder than any jet in the sky. I guarantee you, I saw it firsthand. It just brought a smile to my face. And it's because of that smile I wanted to bring. 
a smile to their faces. So my guys and I, we stayed up all night. We made some briskets, some pulled pork, brought it over, surprised the troops. They didn't even know we were coming, but you could definitely smell the barbecue in the air. And everyone ate. I mean, they smashed it. Second, thirds, fourths, and fifths even. <laughs> I heard uh, from my buddy Chewy that the additional brisket that was supposed to make it back to Pensacola didn't even make it out of the debriefing room. So, guys, all oh, you guys, a couple more briskets. We're going to do it again, November, Peachtree City. If you're listening and you're in and around the Atlanta area, make sure you come out for that event. I believe it is November third through the sixth or fourth through the sixth either which way make sure you're there hit their website i'll have it in the show notes but guys had an absolute blast chewy whiskers commander whole crew all of you guys thanks so much for the love making me feel welcome putting on a great show and i'm telling you uh what you guys do for the community is worth it so as long as you're touching down in georgia i'll always make sure you guys are properly fed and uh as a thank you myself and masterbuilt we're gonna gift you know you angels uh some rigs so you can smoke at home on the very few days that you have off and i've called and made a couple of uh, contacts and we've got some coal and some fuel heading to you guys as well just a, a little thank you from me to you just to show my level of appreciation for all you do and all the smiles you bring across the country everywhere you go so Good on you guys, and that was uh, definitely a highlight for me in this week in barbecue. Now, next story. We all know there's a long, rich history in barbecue, which is oftentimes forgotten and not displayed. But what if I told you a town realized that, and they've literally created a whole museum to pay homage and to inform those around them and in the community and out elsewhere, actually, about the level of impact that barbecue has had on their town and their community. Well, that's exactly what's happening when the town of Aiden actually opened up and created a, a complete barbecue display. The Aiden Museum, they've displayed their barbecue roots for everyone to come and see and to learn and understand just how important barbecue was in crafting that town and the community. <laughs> it's it, they're, they're, they're such a barbecue town that they even talk about barbecue in church and I quote, I remember one of the first things the ladies asked me when I went to church was if I tried Burns barbecue yet. The towns down here are all about barbecue. Could you imagine sitting in the pews, you know, thumbing through your Bible, getting ready to drop your tithings and your, your, your person sitting next to you, hey, you know, you, you tried the barbecue down the way. Now, now that's a church I want to go to, the Church of Smoke. The Church of Barbecue, Holy Smoke Rollers, that's what it would have to be. <laughs> but I think it's great um, that this is happening, and I think it needs to happen far more often than it is right now. I think a lot of communities, not saying every single town, but I think a lot of communities definitely need to pay homage and at least aid in telling the story, create a place for people to come and visit. This location, they actually put on a full display and did a whole night and it's there. Uh, they had people painting, and they made it interactive, painting wooden pig statuettes. They've got classic cutting boards and butcher blocks and knives that were recovered, some of the neighborhood sauces. So they're putting things in that people can uh, visit and see up close and personal, but also purchase and take with. That also uh, brings the funds back into the community to allow it to grow. There's a lot of 
missed opportunities, a lot of untold stories, and a lot of names that are slowly being forgotten in the history books in the world of barbecue cooking and uh, progress that's been made. You have places and companies and entities such as Kingsford, which is doing uh, the Preserve the Pit program with mentors such as Brian Furman, Kevin Bloodsoe, and so on, uh, working in conjunction with Dr. Howard Conyers to allow the stories to not get lost in history, but give other people the opportunities to craft and create their own stories. So seeing this type of story was really amazing. Uh, and they do these events, and I think the next one they're doing here is May 7th. If you're anywhere near Aiden and you have an opportunity, make sure to check out their museum. I'll have more information and link back to this particular story in the show notes, but that, that's just got to warm your heart a bit to see something like this happen. And I would love to see this happen in the heavy bangers in the towns that everyone's talking about. Memphis, you know, Kentucky. Austin, Houston, everyone's saying, you know, they're the capital of barbecue. Let's get more barbecue museums and history told before it's completely forgotten. And those who remember it can't tell us anymore. But uh, this is a great story. And it's definitely one you guys should read. Check it out in the show notes below. Next up, speaking of barbecue capitals, we've got some amazing news in the world of the barbecue capital of Texas, which some are calling Lockhart. Who knew? Uh, but this bit of news comes uh, from a set of uh, I don't even think they're fabricators, just artists of metal, at least in my eyes anyway. Uh, Millscale Metalworks has just uh, recently acquired 1.3 acres next to the Cruise Mark building in order to build a new 10,000 square foot facility so that they can continue to create their renowned custom barbecue pits. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you have been living under a rock and you need to Get on Instagram, Google, and just punch in Millscale Metalworks, and you will see the beautiful pits and rigs and asado crosses and uh, uh, Santa Maria grills and everything that these guys are building. I mean, uh, what is it, like a Bentley or something takes a year to put together because of the fine craftsmanship. These guys are building the Bentleys of the... Uh, Rolls Royces or whatever high-end car. I don't know high-end cars. I'm like six, seven. I'm a mini giant. I don't fit. That's why I drive a pickup. But you get the point. They craft beautiful machines, beautiful rigs to cook on. And I'm not going to lie. I've been getting that itch again. You know, that little uh, need a new rig itch. And I've been sketching out a nice double barrel, 250 gallon reverse flow to tow. You know, for you know, events and charity and such. Um, <laughs> and I'm really thinking about having the guys uh, whip that up for me and, and craft it. I just love their attention to detail. Just, just, you can see the subtle nuances that every rig and smoker is different and has a character of his own. So wanted to share this news because I'm, I'm a fan first and foremost, hoping to be a customer very, very soon. My buddy, Matt Pittman, he's got his rig and he's loving it, rolling smoke. Congratulations, Matt. I think you're actually doing a class today as I'm recording this, uh, and I'll drop that information when he releases his next class for you guys, but congrats to you guys over at Millscale, man. You guys make beautiful rigs. So, so well done, and I love to hear that you guys are growing literally and expanding because that means the wait time should hopefully cut down a bit. <laughs> um, 
but I'll drop the link to this and to their Instagram so you guys can check out their amazing work in the show notes below. All right, so are you familiar with the name Chris uh, Blatchford? No, I wasn't either until I came across this article and it literally stopped me in my tracks because Chris is a vegan barbecue pitmaster. Yes, vegan with a with a V, I suppose. Um, Chris is making barbecue, I, and I, I want to quote this exactly as he says. Uh, where does he say here? He says he wants to make barbecue so good that even a meat eater can love it. And well, dang, uh, this sort of started years ago, about four or five years ago, he wanted to create something different, uh, wanted to not make meat focused options. I think he said a majority of venues is a little bit, hey, here's a vegan option for your non meat eater friend. You know, that's sort of like an afterthought versus where Chris is actually leading with vegan based options no meat and there may be one or two meat based dishes later on down the line he's actually got a 4,000 square foot garden that he plans to expand to 2,000 square feet he's got an array of rigs already set to do this type of cooking and um, based out in Salt Lake City I could see it I was there a couple of weeks ago there were there was a very uh, heavy vegan focus and some of the areas and some of the restaurants I, I went to I definitely saw as a 50 50 um, but I'm very interested to follow this uh, gentleman's story and his continued journey to see how this goes um, I can understand the reasoning behind it you want to create vegan options you know outside of just your smoked jackfruit or your sides or stuff so I'm going to delve into this because I've been asked a lot for vegan options, but I don't do vegan cooking a lot, not intentionally anyway, I'm just being perfectly honest. That's not my wheelhouse. I try to stay within my wheelhouse, but that doesn't mean I don't have uh, the, the, the yearning or don't have the desire to learn something new. So Chris, good on you, good on you for, for, for doing this, you know, uh, and he started doing this four years ago. Can you imagine that? That's that's really interesting. It says he does a brisket that takes three days to make, right? It took him about six to eight months just to get it right. And it's hard to get that right mouthfeel. Yes, I have tried making um, a pastrami brisket out of eggplant before. It's tricky. It's definitely tricky. And that was because I had a client of mine that I used to provide pastrami for real pastrami versus for for their restaurant and he doesn't eat meat so he's never tried my food so I was just secretly working on like trying to make something close to what I deliver in the meat form for him to give a shot but uh yeah this is very interesting take on barbecue and I definitely think you guys should look him up more I did and it was interesting and I'm going to continue to follow because we can all learn something new Definitely not going to go vegan, but you never know when one of the processes or techniques in getting to a vegan dish can be converted to make a meat-focused dish even better. It's all about learning, guys. All right, guys, we're skipping over the hot and fast today, and we're getting right into the Q&A because there is a fair amount of them, and I want to try to see just how many more we can add today. Won't get to all of them, but doing my best. Let's get right into it. First up, we've got a question from Mark. Mark asked, you talked about the importance of pepper mesh size in the past. What about 
brown sugar, or garlic sauce? Mark, good question. Thanks for submitting, bud. And thanks for the continued question. I think I've answered a few years before. I want to let you know I, I see them and I do the best I can. I definitely appreciate the support. Um, regarding to granular size for certain items, it really uh, has to focus on the short answer I gave online, the heat, the temperature, and the time, right? So for instance, if you are using garlic and you cut it very, very finely and you put it into a hot pan with butter or hot oil, you've got to move that thing around quick, fast, the moment it drops, because if not, that extra heat, if it's on high, it's going to burn and char that garlic and it's going to leave a horribly bitter taste in your mouth, right? Whereas if you were to half them or quarter them on the same temperature, there's, there's still so much more moisture left in them, that extra size, you're able to allow that heat to hit them a little more without having to immediately stir. You bought yourself a couple of seconds, a minute or two. Now, if you bring that temperature way down, you leave those cloves whole after you take the skin off, barely have anything, you can brown your butter, get that nice nutty garlic leaf flavor to it. Um, same thing with your brown sugar. I personally don't uh, focus too, too heavily on trying to sift down and get my granules too small for brown sugar because with brown sugar, I'm always going at a lower heat and slowly ramping up. For instance, when I'm making uh, glazes, Easter just passed, so I did a nice uh, brown sugar bourbon glaze where, you know, stick of butter, half cup of chicken stock, let that melt down together, then slowly added in a cup of brown sugar, low heat, and just kept stirring and stirring and stirring until it broke down and it wasn't grainy anymore and had a smooth consistency. And... Yes, you can do it on high heat, but you get that burnt, that char, that acrid taste, and that's not something you really, really want. I think as long, if you're going to go finer granules, if you're going to go finer minces for herbs or garlic or anything like that, keep in mind the temperature of which you're adding those finely cut pieces to. Always try to start a little lower and work your way up if you can, especially if you're making sauces. Um, and if, if you're doing reductions too, you know, there's some that you can do very fast, but you've got to be attentive. You can't do anything else. It's sort of like making a roux. There's some guys that can knock a roux out real quick. I mean, that pan is piping hot and they're just going at it. There's others that you just need to take it slow because you're just not used to it yet. Whichever route is yours, it's just practice and failure along the way. And you know my advice, always take some notes. But Mark, I hope this answer helps out a bit and I appreciate you asking the question, brother. Next, a good question from C.K. Cumber asked, in a standard offset, what do you cook on the third of the smoker that is closest to the firebox? Is it lost space? That is a solid question. I remember and I got excited about this one. So if you are, and you say standard, so I'm assuming you don't mean like a 500, 1,000, 250. I think you probably mean like a store-bought uh, Oklahoma Joe or something. It is not dead space. You guys, if you've checked out one of the previous videos I've posted before about you know locating or finding the right grill, you know one of the first things I recommend doing is finding your hotspot. And I recommend you do that after you season because the first thing is you season it. And while it's seasoning, you can find your hotspots. Well, Sheed, how do you find your hotspots? The biscuit test. It is very simple. Get a can of dollar biscuits, pop them in the corners in the middle, 
get your rig to 350, set a timer for the instructions on the back of the biscuits, and it'll tell you, you know, when they're done, you open up at the end of it and you'll visually see, well, this one's done faster than this one, this one's nowhere near, and that's how you find your hotspots. Back to the original question. What do you use that third for? Well, if you're aware if that third is a hotspot or not, you can then shift it from not being a hotspot. Maybe you don't have to waste it. You can put a shelf on top of that that lifts the meat up away from the heat source and you can then use that to cook and maybe balance out where uh, you can load three butts on and they're all cooking at the same temperature. Or if you want to leave it bare and you're doing a ton of steaks and you want to expedite one because it's pulling behind, move it over to that hotter region, that one third. You can, if it gets really, really hot, you can use a temp infrared uh, heat thermometer to check. If it gets really hot, maybe that's your syrup plate. Maybe that's where you put your your um, water pan with apple cider or other brine liquids to help keep the humidity and moisture in there. You can do a lot of things. It's not dead space. I use every square inch of all my rigs when I'm firing them up. It just takes some understanding of what the temperature reading for that particular area is, and you can go to town. Um, if you're really trying to crispen up some wings after you've been slow smoking them and you know that section gets 50 to 100 degrees hotter move them right over there instead of adding more fuel to your rig hope that helps ck and thanks for asking the question next we've got a great question from hazy growlers who asked what is seasoned wood and how do you season it good question uh, i think this came because i answered a question with seasoned wood and i probably should have explained what seasoned wood is but i appreciate you following up um, seasoned wood is not what it sounds like. You're not throwing salt and pepper on a split of hickory. That, no. Um, <laughs> seasoned wood is the terminology for wood that has been drying out. If um, and, I, and I'm not sure if anyone has, really. I'm sure you have, but if you go out and you cut your own wood, you, I literally mean you fell a tree, then you cut it up, and then you try to split it, that thing is gonna fight you like you wouldn't believe. Trust me, I do it all the time. It's rough work, but I love it. Um, that is green wood, meaning it is not dry, it is wet wood and it is heavy. Green wood, wet wood is heavier than dry seasoned out wood. If you've ever gone to um, uh, a barbecue restaurant that has a stacks of wood out front, you can see the visual color difference inside of some of them may look grayer than others, some of them may look a little brighter than others, a little, some may look dull. You can tell which pieces have been seasoned, dried out. So seasoned wood is just wood that has been dried and you can do it any type of ways. Majority of the stuff that's sold in stores, they're oven slash kiln dried, so it expedites the, the, the whole process. Um, sometimes a lot of moisture seeps back in if they're you know put out front of stores and it rains it soaks it right back up I say seasoned wood because I season my own fell it chop it stack it and I can tell like all right this one still has a little bit of moisture in there I kind of want a little bit more smokely flavor so I may put that right on top or right at the, the the front portion of where my embers are to really get it to smoke up and you'll hear it keep saying it before barbecue is very sensory you can hear an unseasoned piece of wood hitting the fire it'll start to hiss like and you can visually look at it while it's in your firebox and you'll see the bubbles the steam forming and rolling out of it if it's way too green like really really wet and you can cook with uh 
half green or half seasoned wood or fully seasoned, it's up to you. A lot of it is going to come from trial and error and understanding and taking notes of what happens in the process. But uh, yeah, that was a long way of saying what seasoned wood is, but I hope that answers your question and I appreciate you asking it. Next, we've got a question from Gato who asked, what's the best combination for a hamburger? I think maybe he's talking about the meat ratio perhaps. Well, I don't think I've 100% nailed down a classic hamburger yet. I'm always trying something new. I, I literally, the other day, just tried um, doing some 80-20 and then filling the 20 with the uh, jerk pork sausage that we used for my pop-up a couple of weeks ago and infusing that. And I like the taste. I like the end result. But I wanted to work on getting the overall consistency. I've got to acquire a few more tools. I think if you're really trying to dive in to hamburgers, you're going to want to play around with certain things. Uh, I wanted to get a new blade for my food processor to whip that thing around and get it mixed in more. I didn't want to take out my typical meat grinder when I was, I was being lazy I, I, and I didn't have it prepped. I didn't have it cooled and chilled down or anything to run it through easily. So you know that's why I sort of have the meat processor on the way to quickly or the food processor to go through it rather quickly but I think one of the best combinations is going to be a healthy amount of uh, lean meat with fat and flavor and that's why I use the pork the jerk pork season because it was so infused with flavor and I didn't have to worry about adding in too many additional salts or things like that but I do and have done in the past where I have uh, chilled previously cooked briskets or brine briskets from uh, pastrami cut off ends and chill those down and grind those down and make pastrami beef patties that's worked really well while using a combination of pork back fat there's a lot of ratios that way don't know if this is the exact answer you're looking for but I can say experiment start with different weights really make sure the fats you put in there balance and work with the lean cuts that you're going to have as well certain meats like if you're just going to do pure turkey remember turkey's fairly lean you're going to want to lean a little bit heavier on the type of fat that you're using make sure it's a good fat as well thanks for the question i hope this answers the question and hope it helps next we've got a question from justin who asked when cooking a full pack of brisket how do you keep the flat moist ah seems like a lot of people have this issue and i've had it before during when i started making uh briskets it's very very tricky because you sort of follow that rule of thumb like you just want a quarter or an eighth of fat all around blah 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 trim it however you want brother trim it however you want trim it however your rig works i personally trim low on my fatty and le lean heavy on my flat because i know it's going to tend to want to dry out more you can try different techniques such as wrapping it in foil a quarter way through the cook so that it's not drying out too much you also and i think this is probably the most underutilized tip right rotate it that simple rotate your meat make sure you're tipping it so you don't have any pooling but it's okay to rotate your brisket as it cooks if you're aware of where your main heat source is coming from, if you've trimmed it fairly well and you see how it's cascading, rotate it throughout the cook sometimes so that it's not constantly going to be getting fully beat down like that. That is, is perfectly fine. 
keep playing around with it. Um, maybe you add a water pan in there. I know some guys who cook their briskets on cardboard. There's a lot of different ways to get around it and find a result that you like. Those are just some of the tricks I've used in the past. But what I do now is I set myself up for success before it even hits the rig. I trim a little heavier or trim lighter on it so that there's a thicker uh, coat of fat. So as that fat's rendering down, it's basting and it's adding additional moisture to it. And I flip and tip and make sure that there's no pooling so I still get a good bark. And very, very important, after you do all of that work and it's rested, make sure you rest it because that too is very important. Make sure you are slicing it properly, right? against the grain and importantly not too thick you want you can't cut a lean the way you cut your fatty right make sure you're cutting it properly and and because that's going to help with the moisture retention as well but those are just some of the tips i've got for you you got to get out there and uh practice and fail a few times and realize what worked and didn't work for you but hopefully one of those many tips helps get you a little bit closer to an end result that you're proud of appreciate the question next we've got a question from sarvq who says saved some tallow from my last brisket what can i do with it um well tallow for you guys who don't know is rendered down fat uh what to do with it i use it for everything um i use it if i'm making eggs i use it if i'm sauteing vegetables i use it if i'm working on a sauce if i'm building a a roux you can use it for so many things uh, wherever you would put oil or butter or any fat use it there um, maybe you smoke it and add some infuse it with some herbs and spices so that it really has a nice aromatic and flavor senses to it now beef towel is very versatile you may have now seen a lot more people be in public and open with the fact that part of their wrapping process for briskets is coating it with uh, some rendered down tallow and then wrapping it so that moisture is retained in the brisket throughout the cook. Not a secret, just now people are aware that that's the thing to do with it. Instead of throwing away your scraps, which I've mentioned numerous times, you got to do your barbecue math, people. Don't throw away your scraps. Try to utilize as much of the stuff as you can and nothing gets tossed more on a brisket than all the trimmings that are done. You take that thick deckle off, that's a couple ounces of amazing tallow right there. So save those trimmings, chop them up, put them in a cast iron, check it on the smoker, sift it as it renders, put it in a jar, let it cool, and you're welcome. Hope that helps, but I definitely appreciate the question. Geo one asked, butcher paper or foil when the pork butt hits a stall? I don't think I've ever had a pork butt hit a stall. I'd like to know, are you using bone in or bone outs? Um, I use bone-ins because that bone becomes a heat conductor and I'm very certain that's what aids in me avoiding a stall, but I've never actually hit a stall with um, butts like that before, even starting out. But you can use either one. If it's a stall, you can wrap it in foil fully. I don't care if they want to call it a crutch or whatever. Do what you have to do to get to the end result that you are proud of. I personally, if that would ever happen, would just take a piece of foil and tent it, not fully wrap it, just tent it so that it's forcing a nice convection format of air around it to maybe pump up the temperature. Or um, 
I'd find out where the hotspot on my rig is and move the butt to that rig without adding any additional fuel to my rig. I just know, hey, well, if I go to the left over here, like a foot or two, that it's an extra 50 to 75 degrees. I'd put it over there for a while and see if it breaks. Hope that helps, bud. Next, we've got a question from Tobias who asked, I love chicken and bacon in my mac and cheese. Who doesn't? Who doesn't, Tobias? Your favorite combination for this dish. Right on. Much appreciated, bro. Um, you've got your typical pops into everyone's head, your lobster mac and cheese and what have you. But challenge you guys. Challenge you. I haven't seen anyone do this. I'm sure it's done out there, but I haven't seen anyone do it. My favorite combination for mac and cheese, and my sisters will attest, is uh, cornbread mac and cheese. I make a mean cornbread mac and cheese muffin. It's really good. Let's get that sweet, that savory, uh, a little bit of that smoky because I smoked the cornmeal a little bit, very light with some apple wood. Very, very good. You gotta be careful because it soaks it up really quick and you don't want to have that acrid taste to it. But cornbread mac and cheese, that's my favorite combination. Probably didn't see it coming. I know some cats who do some brisket burn ends in theirs or do some pork belly burn ends. Uh, but for me, it's the cornbread mac and cheese muffin combo all the way you're welcome <laughs> all right guys gone through a fair amount of questions today i'm gonna call it i definitely have so much more we may get a midweek episode next week where i'm just filing through all of these questions because there's so many good ones in there but i appreciate all of you for submitting as always if you have a question you want me to answer email me at um this week in barbecue at gmail.com or drop us a dm at this week in barbecue on instagram or this week in bbq on twitter we're going to start getting more active there if you haven't already please like subscribe and share with two buddies this episode and i'd appreciate a rating on apple uh, Podcasts or spotify or however you're listening to me um, doesn't have to be five stars, but it'd be really nice if it is. It just lets me know how I'm doing, what we can do better, and what you guys want more of. And one of the bits of feedback I'm getting is you want more and more Q&As, so I may end up doing them multiple times a week to garner more questions and just do full-blown midweek Q&A episodes. But until next time, I'm Rashid Phillips, and this has been This Week in Barbecue. Take care, guys.